Hello, this is Pastor Jay with your word for today. In the crowd, the crowd that you may be running with, there's someone that's in pain, that's hurting, that's going through. And they're keeping a good face, but they're hurting on the inside. They've prayed, they've cried, they sought help, but it seems as if nothing is working. But I want to tell you, there is hope. Hope in Jesus Christ because today, God has heard your prayer. God hears you. His son has died that there's no separation between him and his love for you. And today he's heard your prayer. Weeping has endured for the night, but now the joy of the Lord is upon you. This is Pastor Jay. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to the Walk in Truth Radio Network. Stay tuned for an encouraging word from Pastor, Teacher Dr. James Sutton. Let's see what Pastor Sutton has to say to us today. Hello, hello, this is Pastor Jay. And this is your Wednesday's walk. And, you know, I'm not going to be before you long. I just started to walk today. I figured I'd uh, talk to you guys before I the little jogging in and get the huffing and puffing. Amen. It's a glorious day in the Lord when you can walk and see all the beauty of God's creation. You know? So I hope everybody's doing okay. If you are blessed and highly favored in the Lord and you know that you are blessed that in spite of of your circumstances, incidents, and accidents of life that God has sustained you, maintained you, and actually brought you through and showed you things about yourself that you never ever believed that caused you to go to Romans 2 and 4 and say, the goodness of God should lead me to repentance. And repentance is Accepting that your way didn't work, that your way couldn't commend you to God and learning of him and changing your mind and going in the opposite direction. You know, in that song where everybody's talking about every time I turn around, the Lord is blessing me. That's kind of funny. We've all sang it, but we need to go in the opposite direction to be blessed by God. But that's neither here nor there. What I want to talk about today is persecution, prosecution, and choice. And I think a lot of times we confuse what biblical persecution is based upon our American way of thinking that every time we have a problem, we're being persecuted. Every time something doesn't go our way, it's persecution. But if you read uh, Luke chapter 6, and more specifically verses uh, 21 through 26, I think, and definitely Matthew chapter 5, 
verse 10, 11, and 12, you'll know what real persecution is. And being that the church in America is slowly being persecuted, we don't understand what persecution is. Because what was preached normally is prosecution or choices that we've made. Persecution by biblical standards is for when things are being done to you for the sake of your belief and what you preach, teach, and live out your life in Christ. That's persecution. You're going to be kicked out, shunned, rejected, and possibly killed for your belief in your stance in Christ. That you're willing to fight for your faith and also die for your faith. Now, in America, not so much. But since I deal internationally, there's a lot of people that I know of, horror stories I could tell you, where the government will kick in your door, take out everybody, and give them a chance to renounce their faith, and they stand strong, then everybody's executed, just like that. The government doesn't want Christ. And if you think about it, he even said, because they hated me, they will hate you. Whatever they've done to your master, it's going to be done to the student. You can't be above your master. And when we preach that, or when it's been preached sometimes, it's not told in the context of the persecution that he's talking about. He's telling you, if you are a follower of mine, you will be persecuted. If you stand up for me, one of your badges of honor and one of your badges of validation is persecution. Matter of fact, they go on in Luke, which I'm going to preach about Sunday, is how Jesus even talked about how they persecuted and killed the real prophets and loved the false prophets. Uh, you can look in Jeremiah for that one. And, uh, and that's the problem. So persecution is confined to area of the church, your belief, being, threatening your person, your, your job, because you believe in Christ. That's what persecution is. Now we're going to move on to prosecution. <laughs> prosecution comes when the government decides by their laws that you have broken them and they prosecute you as a criminal. Now, you in certain countries, persecution and prosecution goes hand in hand. They persecute you, then prosecute you, then legally execute you. But in America, just because you went out and did something wrong and got caught, and now mom and them want you out of jail and don't want you to suffer the consequences, they go to God and ask God, why are they persecuting my son and my daughter? No, they're prosecuting them. They, they actually done this. 
so many times since I've been on the, in the system both ways, I've seen people who are know that they're good for the crime that's been committed and would tell their loving family that they didn't do it and waste a lot of money on something that they did do. I can understand wanting the best defense, but let's be real. If you did it, you deserve to be punished. Now, if you believe the punishment is too harsh for the crime, I would say that most people don't think about that when they're doing what they want to do. They're making a choice. And when you make a choice and it turns out not to be, you see how I transition to choice? When it turns out to be not what you want, that's not persecution. That's reaping what you're sowing. You can't go to church and ask God to remove what you've sown into. And now you're reaping the harvest that you didn't expect. You thought that you could sow the seeds of sin and control the rate of its growth. And sin will always cost you more than it should. Take you where you don't want to go. And will grow into a bigger thing that you ever could imagine. Just like blessings. He can exceedingly do all, you know, above all you could ask, think, and imagine. But that goes both ways. That goes both ways. That doesn't just, it's contained to you being blessed. That's all on the other side of being chastised and uh, prosecuted. You may do something thinking you're going to get away with it and get more than you bargained for. Can I get a hello or ouch on that one we've all been there and then we run to God and want God to lift his law of reaping and sowing and move what we've done <laughs> into persecution we do it all the time you know somebody at your job talking about you that's not persecution maybe you do have a big mouth maybe you are prettier than everybody else or more handsome I don't know but that's not persecution Life's not fair. That's not persecution. Life's not fair. I'm going to say it again. Life's not fair. And because life is supposed to be life and it's not fair, that's not persecution. Remember what I said. Where is persecution? Strictly in the area of being persecuted for your belief and you following Christ and walking by faith. And willing to die for it and not willing to relinquish your citizenship or denounce your Christ no matter what you may face that's persecution so there you have it persecution prosecution and life choices so I want you to think about that as we walk together you know put in the comments which one are you which one are you going through in any given time um, I'm headed towards the park. Park is 0.7 miles away from my house. So I'm on north and south walking to the park. So what do you guys think? Have you ever moved what you're being prosecuted for, your choices, and they turn around and run to God if you can fool God and tell God you're being persecuted? You run to the altar and that's the ha <laughs> ha Oh, Lord Jesus, help us. That's what most people run into the altar for. If you think about it, 
They call it deliverance. But they're making a conscious decision every day, most of them, not all of them, to continue to do what has got them running to the altar. Have you guys ever noticed that there are certain people running to the altar for the same thing all the time and then on one, three months ago they was delivered and now they're back at the altar crying and snotting because again, they're just reaping what they sow and they're asking God to do something different. They're asking God to relinquish his eternal law of reaping and sowing and move it into persecution so that he can bring them out. Now, this is what I want to tell you, seriously. Just because you persecuted don't mean you ain't going to die in that persecution. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. Just because you're being persecuted for Christ's sake doesn't mean that you're not going to die. If you look at Acts, where it talks about when the apostles were getting beaten by the Jews, and then Paul got five times 39 lashes, it was an honor to receive that persecution almost to the point of death. How many of y'all want that for Christ's sake? Let's be honest. You don't want that. So, what do we do? I'm glad you asked. Stand strong. Don't compromise. You're really not being persecuted. But you want to get along with everybody. You want to be liked by everybody. And at some level, we all do. We all want to be liked by people. But when it comes to being liked by people or standing for God, we have to decide to stand for God. We have to make up our mind to stand for God no matter what. And I can tell you this. All saints will not have the strength to stand for God. They simply will not have the strength and the faith to stand for God. Does that mean they're not saved? Of course not. Does it mean that they won't have a reward in heaven for the things that they do for Christ? Of course not. They just not made for that. They're not called to that level of sacrifice. You know, and this is what I would say. Not all pastors would actually do that. They say they would because, you know, a lot of times in church, people just say, what we're supposed to say, but their heart is not in it. They'll say they want drug addicts, uh, prostitutes to come through the door. And that's not true. Let some drunkards and some drug addicts come from that church. You're going to find nobody want to sit with them. Let the woman come off the street who's been on a man who's been prostituting all night. Let them come off the street. Who's going to want to really sit with them? Who's going to want to take some time to minister to their breath smelling. All of that. You know, talk a good game. And then, this is how you know you're talking to gang, y'all. I'm going to give y'all a secret. Come a little closer. When they point at the door, have they ever told you turned around and pointed at the door 
and told you how God is going to send people in and they're going to be those type of people, the people that God is really searching for. But there's only one problem with that. There's only one problem with that. That's not the way God told us to do this. He told us to go out and get those people. He told us that we were going to be fishers of men, not sitting inside the love boat and waiting for them to jump in the boat. See, it's hard to get out here and evangelize, to get before strangers and start open air preaching. Most Sundays, you're preaching to the crowd. And that's fine because church is designed to give energy and instruction and uh, uplifting to the saints. But we need to get out in these streets and talk to people and listen to people. Listen to why there's a whole generation that sees the, the bull game in church and won't come because they recognize game. They recognize it didn't really work for you as the parent. You know a bunch of catchphrases, but you really don't know the Bible. You know, you don't even know why he said, uh, they're the head, we're the head and not the tail. You just know to say that. And that's sad because some of you have been in church all your life and you really don't, have never been through a whole book of the Bible. And when you finally get in the church that teaches the Bible, line by line and verse by verse, you are mystified that why didn't your teacher for the 20 years that you've been under them teach you that? And one of the reasons is because if you teach line by line and verse by verse, there is no mystery in where you're going next when you teach the word of God. There's no mystery in that. Okay? There's no mystery in that. If you're in Luke chapter 6 and you didn't finish, guess what? If you went down to verse 15, you'll be starting at 16. The people can read ahead. You learn like you learned in school. And the Holy Spirit, through repetition of the scriptures, will pour into you. And it will humble you to help you receive the scriptures. You become humble and hungry for the word. Not religion, but hungry and humble for the word. So therefore, you'll be able to recognize persecution, prosecution, and life choices that lead you to reaping what you have sown. So I'm in the park now. I'll show you guys the beautiful park. You know, I'm in here walking, taking my time. So I figured you guys will be with me for at least uh, the first lap around, which is half a mile. So once I complete the lap, get back where I started, that'll be uh, 1.2. So I'll probably do three and then walk home. So again, what do you guys think? I'm interested. Let's have a discussion on it. If you want to, you can come on the show, on uh, a podcast. You can look at everything that I have done. Hashtag D, as in David, R, as in Robert, D-R-J-C-S-2. And I'll bring up everything. Every platform that we're possibly on. And it's too many for me to name. You can go to our Walk and Truth Radio Network YouTube page. You can go to our walk underscore in truth Instagram page. You can go to 
our Walking Truth Radio Network and Walking Truth Christian Fellowship Church Facebook page. So we're everywhere. And of course, our podcast, which is everywhere. Spotify, uh, Apple, Walking Truth Radio Network. So it's real simple. But I love to have some people on. So let's talk about this. Let's let's chew on it. Are we living? Are we are we actually misusing the word persecution where prosecution and life choice consequences are actually what's going on? Are you running to the altar because you're persecuted? Are you running to the altar because you just can't stop sinning? And what you need to do something besides running to the altar, if you've run more than once, you need to run to some strong word that convicts you out of love. Let's see, law never will make you stop a behavior. But love, love of Christ, love of the sacrifice, love of the atonement, love of the blood that gives you access. Romans 5 and 1, access into the grace, all of that. As you begin to continue to unpack that and love that, you will find yourself changing your behavior. Not because they say the law says don't do it, which is holy, but the bigger law of love that says it's not expedient. It doesn't serve the love and appreciation for my Lord. So guess what? I'm just not going to do it. Because, you know, laws, people love to break them. But love, true love, if you think about it, you'll never break true love. You might bend it. You might test it. But when you think it's going to be broken, true love, you'll fall back. And Christ offers that true love that we talk about. So you guys enjoy your day. I'll enjoy my day. I didn't bring preacher with me today because, you know, uh, he might all of a sudden decide he wants to chase after a squirrel. And I can't let him off leash, but you're not supposed to do that up here. I normally do that on the high school field and let him run around. He doesn't run away. He stays probably no more than 10, 10 yards in front of me at any given time. Then he always loops back and walks beside me once he gets tired. So, hey, I always want you to be encouraged by the power of God. I want you to be blessed by the Holy Spirit. And always remember, walk in truth so i'll see you on the other side peace